0: cougars the houston cougars are champions in charleston let's break it down you are locked on cougs your daily podcast on the houston cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to Locked on cooks daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth. I breakdown down all things cooks If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who can't stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way, we get the latest on Cougs in your news feed each and every day. appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first and or second or both listens of the day each day. As we've got two episodes out today. Remember to subscribe. Help us get to that next 250 mark. We're approaching 1750. Do you want to give away every 250 on YouTube? If that's where you found us, it, it says, Good to see you again. Again, hit subscribe. Help us get to the next marker not sure what the giveaway is going to be. We're having to figure that pretty quickly, huh? Um, Like and comment on the video to let us know in the contest after you've hit that button. Uh, If you don't know what to say after watching Houston win in Charleston, tell us what your favorite Southern-style food is, as Charleston seems to be a very Southern-style City Now, a couple things to break down today. This is a basketball-heavy episode. There is a football-heavy episode out as well. I don't know which one counts as the bonus episode. They're both full-length. Make sure you check out both of them at some point in your day today. Maybe once on the way to work, once on the way home, something like that. Um, all right, I want to talk in the basketball episode today about what happened in Charleston, uh, what happened in the championship game specifically. It's kind of been break, breaking down game by game. I want to talk about Jamal Shedd and how tremendous he has been in the first six games this year. And then I want to talk some about if there are any holes to note in this team after watching them thoroughly dominate pretty strong competition in Charleston. But first, the game itself. Now, Houston did beat Dayton 69-55. to um, If you were under rock, not paying attention watching Sunday football, this game didn't even feel that close for the most of the second half. Houston went into halftime up 8 they came out and made five quick points to open second half and never trailed, never led by less than double digits again. Couple of stats that stick out from this one: um, going to team stats, not individual stats, because it's kind of what Houston Group basketball team does. But offensive rebounding, they had 17 offensive rebounds on 36 missed shots, so that's what you call a 47.2 offensive rebound rate. That means you rebound 47.2 of your misses. Um, That's nearly half. That's crazy impressive for references to how impressive that is. The leader in the nation right now is the university of Florida, who is rebounding exactly 50% of their misses. They have five guys in their rotation, six, nine or taller. Houston does not play anybody taller than six foot nine. That's crazy impressive. Especially when playing a team with big, long guys like Dayton had, Um, 47.2 would be second most in America if that were your average on the season. That is how ridiculous that number is. Um, for reference, we all know how big UConn is. And UConn, I think, made people worry about how big Houston is. There'll be different matchup problems for UConn when we get to play them later later in the year in the tournament. We'll see, you know. Um UConn on the season has their own all- with a bunch of powder puffs on the schedule, mind you, has their own offensive rebound rate at 46.9. Houston did better than UConn has done against Powderpuffs in the championship game against a long, long Dayton team. Um, what's impressive, too, is that they're doing a guard shooting guard shots. That means you're shooting uh, threes. You're not doing like put-back drill kind of stuff yourself down by the rim. We're just like off-backboard, grab it, off-backboard, grab it, put it back in. It's not a whole lot of that as much as it's fighting for long, hard rebounds. Impressive stuff. Houston also had... Uh, or forced Dayton into 11 turnovers and had seven steals. That's extra impressive when you factor in that they had about 60 possessions in this basketball game. Uh, they play really slow pace. Houston also played long possessions in their own, like sped up pace for each possession, but they had a lot of long, you know, 26 second possessions. Then they get the offense rebounds, so it goes really long, right? Um, 11 turnovers. Out of 60 possessions, would be more than one out of every six times that Dayton has the basketball. Uh, seven of those 11 are steals. That's more often than one out of every 10 possessions that Houston gets a steal that Dayton has the basketball. Here's what's really crazy about Houston Cougar basketball right now. That's actually their averages roughly on the season. Now, Houston has played some programs that are not in the same place. they played Louisiana Monroe, played Texas and Corpus Christi, and Stetson. But that's the average pace right now for this defense. And that's ridiculous, ridiculous to look at how frequently they're forcing turnovers. I want to keep looking at that rate, though, because that's important. Because I think people look at like, oh, well, Houston Houston only had seven steals. Like, what's the deal there? But you factor in how slow the game goes or how slow that game particularly was because of how long Dayton likes to have their positions and, frankly, how long Houston's possessions end up being with how many offensive rebounds they have, right? That's actually as ridiculous as what they did against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, right? It's the same kind of forced turnover rate, just a much slower game, just a lot less possessions to do it on. Um, It's a really, really impressive defensive effort on that end. And the Houston shot 40% from three um, on uh, Sunday night. LJ Cryer led the Ray, got led the way and got tournament most outstanding player. Uh, Cryer was four of eight from behind the arc on Sunday. Um, Houston shooting 40% from three is almost 5% better than their season average of 35 and a half percent. I would point out though that they shot 40% from three in a game where crier uh, where crier kind of leads the way obviously jamal shed has his two for three we'll talk more about him in a moment but the guys who expect to shoot the threes didn't have their best shooting performances mango sharp was over five he's usually a two for five kind of guy right um frankly you could also look like damian dunn was one for three he's usually more like a two for six kind of guy right it's like you didn't have that kind of output out of those guys Arsenal was one for one. It was a very crucial one. At that point, it felt like it was. Um, But anyway, I I digress. Like you didn't have your two. Obviously, Crier shot the ball well, but you did not have things on the offense side coming out of Sharp and Damian Dunn that you kind of hoped for. Now. Dunn did finish with nine points. Um, I go back and forth when that he should start or Sharp should start. I do like that they both come off the bench and play well. Emmanuel Sharp, though, and this is I'll leave this because we've talked about a number of different statistical things, and I'm going to talk about Jamal Shed in a second. Electric Cryer will get his shine all year long. Earned that most outstanding player award for sure. But Emmanuel Sharp shot the ball very poorly in this game. And a year ago, if Emmanuel Sharp was shooting the ball poorly, especially November a year ago... He has to come out of the game. There were just not enough other ways he was impacting winning in November of 22. I would point out that this is an incredible case of the development of this young man, of the development put into like the time and energy put into him from this program and the vision for the kind of basketball player he can become. Because he made a lot of impacting winning plays on. Sunday night. I don't think that's disputable. I don't think anyone here is going to comment down below. Tell me I'm wrong there that watched the basketball game. He played 20 minutes. He had four points. That's not the typical impacting winning that we've seen at Emmanuel Sharp, but he did such other tremendous things. And I'm a big Terrence Arsenal guy as far as that fresh, that class of 2022 was i love Arsenal. Arsenal did his own thing too. had his 15 minutes of great uh, rangy deflections and stuff like that. But Emmanuel Sharp impacting winning in more ways than, than one, and thus, when the one as he's known for is not working, it ultimately does not matter. he's still an impacting winning type of player. Now, I want to talk some about Emmanuel Sharp and how much he helps out the Houston Cougars, but first, I want to make sure I talk to you about helping yourself up because if you are a college student, this is a college basketball team, if you're a college student or a post grad student or anything like that, listen up. we've got an incredible app to tell you about, and that is buddies at listening.com. Listening.com. Why don't textbooks and research papers come come to audio versions? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could listen to it? any of your textbooks or anything you're doing for school, like an audiobook, now you can. Listening.com is an app that turns any academic reading, any academic reading, into audio. It can pronounce difficult and technical words. It can read math equations and even knows how to skip to citations and footnotes. If you go to listening.com slash locked on, you'll be able to get your first three weeks free. They usually give away two weeks to a new subscriber. You get a third week free by telling them locked on. On sent you. Go to Lock, go to Listening.com, use code locked on, LOCKEDON, L O C K E D O N, or go to Listening.com slash Locked On, and tell them we sent you. Go start working on your research, on um, reading the research books today. All right. Now, I said that the second segment I want to talk about is all about Jamal shit because I continue to be impressed, as anyone would be. With this young man, I think I have a particular soft spot for him because he's from Manor. Um, but I also frankly think that it's fascinating to watch the growth and development of Moshad because I kind of thought he reached a peak of sorts last season. I did not know paired with with uh, Marcus Sasser on that roster last year, playing the schedule they did against the Alabama's of the world. Uh, frankly, going toe to toe with Memphis in this championship game without Sasser next to him for much of that game, or uh, he went toe-to-toe for much of the game, passionate not with him for the whole game, right? Um, he wore his body down to where it was basically a shell of himself in some parts of that game against Miami at the end of the year um, because he was just putting it all out there. And I was like, what can Jamal shed actually add to his game? Now, his stat line is not that necessarily of an LJ crier. He had 16 points on 13 shots, uh, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. He had one deflection that we need to talk about. Um <laughs> He had what I have been calling two steals in one play. I think the official stat book called it a deflection and then a steal because the initial one didn't, but he picked the pocket of uh, one particular Dayton flyer twice in the same play, chasing down from the backside on transition, poked the ball and then saved it from going out of bounds, but it did go right back to Dayton. And then as the guy from Dayton is turning his head, sprints back in bounds and pokes the ball free for what was ultimately his second steal of the game. Now, Ives, those numbers are very good, but they're not jump off the page better than he was a year ago. And I have been so impressed with Jamal Shett. He is so much better than a year ago that I'm having trouble figuring out like statistically or something. That's not just my opinion on like what it looks like, right? Hey, how do I, how do I hang this like point on the board and just say, you can't argue with this. He's better than he was a year ago. And frankly, I want to point out moments, right? Like the crucial moments of the Utah game where he's attacking downhill. The crucial moments in the first half of this game where it felt like it was going to be a close game and he pulls up from the parking lot. I mean, he hits a three from the logo like Dame, right? Like what kinds of... Is it maybe the moments that he's having? Um, and I think the interesting thing is it's actually those minutes. He played 29 minutes in this basketball game. There was never a moment... Where Coach Sampson took he, LJ Cryer, and Jay and uh, Jawan Roberts off the court at the same time. Moreover, there were a lot more of Jamal Shedd's minutes with those second, when he was the only one of those three on the floor with a lot of second unit type of guys. That leadership they're putting on Jamal Shedd, I don't know if I can quantitatively talk about it in any sort of you in know, intelligent way, but qualitatively, it is very clear and obvious he is a different type of leader. He's put a lot more on his shoulders. And that's not to say, not to say that Jawan is not. That's not to say that, frankly, even Damon Dunn and LJ Cry are not leading in their own way as veteran basketball players new to us, but not new to college basketball, right? But Jamal Shed at every timeout, every free throw, every stop in the action is coaching. Himself, right. He's out there on the floor dictating, hey, you are supposed to be here. Hey, this happens. Hey, when I go here, you rotate there. When LJ goes there, you rotate there. When Juwan fronts that, you got to backside that. Like all those kinds of things are happening at every moment. You see it when he's on the bench because he's getting more bench time this year. They're trying to preserve his body some. Uh, and so in those blowout games, he's going to the bench a little earlier. You see it in those moments, but he's still doing it from the bench, sitting next to Kellen, saying, Hey, and he's moving people around, sitting next to Quantus, I think, more than Kellen, actually, but you feel me on that, right? Um, he's got all kinds of stuff going on in that. And I I think it comes down to plays like um, there's a play where Damian Dunn is covering guys. He catches a baseline inbounds play and gets in the corner and he blows by Damian Dunn and Damian Dunn fouls him from behind. And you hear, an expletive, but Jamal Shedd say, Damien, that's not what we do here. There were other ways to say it, but he said that like that, right? And then you see him, if you're paying attention, walks up to Damien. Again, this is a fifth year of college kind of guy, Damien Dunn puts his hand around Damien's hip and is pointing through. Okay, but he's got to go there. Even if you get beat here, we've got your rotation there, and then I'm gonna go cover that up, and then you're gonna come back. And he's walking this other veteran of college basketball through these kinds of things in a way that like is your coach on the floor in every single aspect. Now I'm not saying that Jamal shed couldn't have done that last year, but it was a shared responsibility he had with Marcus. And frankly, there was kind of like positionally he's not going to be in charge of Jairus in the same kind of way. Like he, he didn't seem to be as solitarily. I am the leader of this ship in that instance, I'm sure at practices, you would have said he's the leader of the ship, but he's sharing that dude with Marcus, right? Uh, the red and white scrimmage of 2022, he and Marcus were on separate teams, and they very much had to, like, lead their own groups, right? There was a shared responsibility there. Elday is a very good basketball player. Damian Dunn is a very good basketball player. Frankly, Emmanuel Sharp and Terrence Arsenault are growing into, and in some ways already are, very good basketball players. Jawan Roberts is a very talented basketball player, but he's a quieter guy. Um, Jamal shed visibly, there are examples of leadership night in, night out, on what looks like the best team in America. And Kim Palm says it, not just me. And it's visibly different. He's visit, it's taking it on more in a way that I just I cannot express how like it's it's incredible to see him go from the First team All American at a conference, defense player of the year in the conference, all the kind of stuff last year, right? And all of the accolades and things you could tie to his name and how well he played before and those kinds of things last year to be demonstrably better six games into this year, right? While playing less minutes, while playing with a deeper roster. I mean, deeper, I'm not going to, you know, we can talk about better at a different point, but deeper, yeah, d- deeper roster, right? It's incredible. It's truly remarkable. And again, I have this soft spot for him because he's from Manor. Um, But on the whole, I will say that, you know, it'd be easy to look at the fact that this year he's averaging seven points. This year he's averaging 16 and a half assists, four and a half rebounds. Um, what's his steal count up to this year? Three steals a game. That's the thing. That's the marquee staff from three steals games a lot, right? But it's not something like that. And so, I'm trying to find ways to illustrate this with more demonstrable. Maybe it's plus minuses, but I still think that that's not quite the whole story. He is a better basketball player. He was a fantastic basketball player a year ago. I think we're six games in and we can match up say he's a better basketball player now. And if you've got a better way to say it, tell me down below. Because I need to tell you about our buddies over at... Fanduel because Fanduel is America's number one sportsbook, and right now new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any five dollar money line bets. One hundred fifty bucks if your team just wins. Just put money in the five bucks in the money line. Your team wins. 150 and bonus bets in your account right now. They have the Houston football game next weekend as a uh, Houston's a 13 and a half point dog on the road. That's a two touchdown dog on the road. Um, they also, the money line set at Houston plus 400. You put some money on that five bucks, Houston wins, you get $150 back. Now this is the basketball. So if you're more of a basketball guy, they do have Houston at plus 500 to make it to the final four. Uh, right now, this is pretty good money, frankly, because you don't know what the brackets are and those kind of things. But right now, that's pretty strong. Just so go to uh, fanduel.com and uh, check out uh, code locked on for more at slash locked on. All right. The last and final segment I want to talk about here is Is there a hole in this basketball team? What's going on with this basketball team? What could possibly be going on with the Houston Cougars. Um, frankly, they're 6-0, right? they come with the best defense in the country analytically, and they're doing very, very well. Um, I will say, in looking at this team, that there is maybe one thing that kind of worries me. And I know that's weird to say after you're 6-0. You just won a uh, non-conference tournament against a very good competition. Utah, big, tall, long, shooters presents problems. Uh, Dayton, big, strong, athletic, power, forward, center type, and some shooters that are... I mean, Santos was out of his mind shooting well ball in this tournament, right? Um, what I'm worried about is there are stretches of the game where Houston, on offense, kind of stalls out. And they had this a year ago. And they have problems where, like, they do a lot of... Let like, guys be creative on offense. Very simple actions and sets. And then... They go to defense, and they're going to play the best defense in America and make you take a tough shot. We saw it moments in the first half of this game. Sometimes offensive guys make tough shots, right? What's going to happen to Houston if they play a team with a bunch of guys that make tough shots, right? Utah had one. That guy Madsen hit some crazy threes at eight threes, I think, right? Uh, Santos for... Dayton hit his own fair share of difficult threes in the first half of that game. Uh, for what it's worth, he did finish with just 14 points. He was three, four from behind the arc, right? What happens when you play a Kansas or a Baylor? People say Texas. You've got multiple guys that hit those tough shots and on offense, you've got to come down and you don't have maybe the size advantage inside to get uh, Jawan the ball, right? Let's say maybe, you're having trouble hitting your own tough shots. Where do things come from in that? Is isn't? Now, I'm not a silly person. I don't think Houston's going to win 35 games this season. It's not the American Athletic Conference. It's just not the grinder that is Big 12 turns out to be. But I do think, in looking at this game, that it did show that Houston, if they run into tough shot makers, is going to have to come back down the other end and score. Against Dayton, they could. Against... Uh, Utah, for the most part, they could, but there are stretches of each game where they couldn't or didn't. And what does it look like when they have those stretches of offensive lulls and they're playing a team with a handful of guys are going to leak, right? I mentioned Baylor, Kansas, Texas, they're in the conference, but when you get to the tournament, there's a whole bunch of guys, uh, teams that have two or three guys like that, right? And so suddenly, that could be kind of shifty. I mean, frankly, I would argue that Miami shot their brains off. I mean, I, I mean, I know that Poplar shoots pretty well for them, but when Houston lost those Sweet Sixteen to them a year ago, they shot very well, right? So, what's it going to look like when Houston does that later this year? That's frankly the lone hole I've got. And if that's a lone hole we've got. I think that's overall a very, very good sign for the Cougs. Now, if you've got other things to talk about, you got other holes you want to point out, or you got other things Houston Group basketball related. Make sure you leave them in the comments down below. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Locked on Kooks today. Another one to go check out, so make sure you go check that other one out as well. Locked on Cougs is a primary Locked on Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go kooks.